Blog Talk Radio. One, two, one, two, three, go. I will always have my possession of the heart. Bittersweet relationship starts from the heart. Imagine if you woke up and felt it's all a dream. I feel that every day and turn my life into a movie screen. But I would never trade it or think to let it go. I want to show the world and give them all a chance to know. Feeling deeper. Feeling deeper, I can only take you deeper. Take a breath, feel the burn. Life has its crazy cycles, and that's the end of your turn. Um, 
<laughs> so I had this near-death experience, and I really kept a lid on it, and I didn't talk about it because, you know, this is 30 years ago before the Internet when if you said anything that, you know, you could, you know, that you'd been dead and you could talk to people, and people would think you were very crazy. So I did go to a couple of doctors and tried to talk to, you know, about it, and then I just kind of dismissed it until I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So would you say that that was the moment where you became a quote-unquote believer in this paranormal world? Well, no. I mean, I'm, again, I'm a person that has to experience something before I believe it. And until I saw my first ghost, once I saw my first ghost and realized I wasn't having a schizophrenic break and this <laughs> kept happening again, then I believed. Only then did I believe. And, you know, I still had a trouble. I grappled with it a long time. I had a hard time with it. I just didn't have the, the personality makeup to be uh, a, quote, psychic. Right. Okay. That's very interesting. It's scary, I mean, especially when you're not receiving messages from the other side, quote-unquote, all the time. It's like when you do have your first experience, it's a shocker. It really is. And well, I got up and ran out of the room screaming. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I would say I wasn't brave. <laughs> that sounds so intense. I don't, think, I don't think I've yet to see a ghost, but maybe I wouldn't know. Well, I'm not sure. You'd know if you saw one. Yeah. Some people oh, yeah. say they appear human at times. They can just look like normal people. I don't think but. any of my any ghosts I see, um, they didn't look like they were living. Oh, that would be scary. That That's just such a confused uh, trick in the mind, I feel like. That's crazy. No, I came to turn, you know, about 25 years ago, about five years into this whole process, I was okay with it. Because I I, ha- I met somebody who kind of explained it to me, and I just I chose I made a conscious decision not to read books about it or talk to other people to kind of keep it private, and um, so I did for thirty years. Wow, I held all that in. That's crazy. See, you really do have to have somebody show you what it's all about. You can't just know everything, and that's why I think we automatically become afraid of the paranormal. Is just because we don't know. It's so not near to us to be able to relate to and so we freak out yeah i think there's a lot of scary movies and stuff like that but we'll get to that in a minute so um sticking with the paranormal world how do you think it has enhanced or influenced or changed your life uh it totally turned it upside down um for the good i have to say that this has been a good experience um i believe the the contact i have with spirits or ghosts or, what, or, or souls that are no longer living, whatever you want to call them, um, has been helpful and nurturing. I think that they are, are trying to help me and assist me. So I'm pretty glad with it, you know, about it, and I would be very lost without them at this at this point. I know that sounds weird, but I really would. <laughs> that's, a, that's an intense relationship, that's for sure. Yes. So I'm glad you brought that up. So do you think that, paranormal experiences are important pieces to human history or human existence? Do you think that there's something that we're going to remember forever and that we need to maybe survive or just be excited from to get entertainment from? Well, you know, you can. it, it depends. It, it's got many facets. Um, I think as far as, you know, intellectually speaking, it's something wondrous to know that we're more than our physical bodies and there are other dimensions and there's a continuation over of life but i think there are a lot of um there can there's a real gray area because 
people will lump in a lot of stuff with the paranormal that I don't think is true paranormal uh, abilities, and I think that, you know, it's fraught with cons and mentally ill people and wannabes and, you know, true paranormal experience. I think it happens a lot, but it's not that common. I mean, I don't believe it. I don't believe it's that common. Maybe, like, legit actual paranormal activity rather than the people fake it, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, and if somebody's, you know, asking a lot of money, you know, to reach your dead grandmother, uh, don't, you know, you don't need that. I, I just don't believe in that. I agree. There's some people that can, some people that can't. We'll see how it goes in the future. Um, so let's talk a little bit about ghosts. Now, what do you believe ghosts to be? Well, you know, I've got some real, real clear ideas because of the visitations that I've had. In the last eight years in this home that I live in in Kentucky, this home alone, I've had over 75 visitations, which I think is is quite a lot of paranormal activity. Um, Let me clarify this. Ghosts, true ghosts that don't know they're dead, that are, you know, kind of lost or confused or don't know what direction to go, there's not a whole lot of them. I don't think it, you know, the the world is littered with them. I think there is an occasional ghost, and I think it's very sad because these are confused souls or, you know, misguided souls. But mm. I think that when you die, I think <clears throat> most people, you know, go to the next level or whatever you want to call it, and then they can travel back and, you know, make visitations to loved ones, friends, be their guides. I don't know how the etiquette works. <laughs> but I've got a good idea that the the the, um, the souls that have reached out and touched me are not lost, are not confused, and it's merely a visit, visitation. I would think that's very cool. So do you think that their purpose is to just visit you and to give you information? I don't know. I mean, I, I just you know, concentrate on it sometimes and, you know, hoping it will happen and I ask for protection that I'm doing this. I mean, I don't want to call, like, Hitler up or anybody, but um, um, I do think that the souls that have reached out to me are a combination of family members, friends, and perhaps guides. I I don't know. But I I do know that it is um, positive. Yeah. I think so. Very much. Uh, definitely with the work that you do, I believe so. I do believe that there are some not positive spirits or ghosts True. That are stuck here. And, you know, they. I think those are the ones that can tell you that they can give you what you want and give you all these powers and all that. And a lot of people classify those as demons and, you know, things that are just, they're going to take advantage of you. They're going to appear to give you what you want. But they're never truly legit. They're they're negative and it's not good. They'll probably help you with material gains and all that kind of stuff, which material is nothing, as we all know. Well, I hope, Brendan, that I never encounter that. You know, so far I've been pretty lucky. I would think so. I hope you don't either. I don't think you would. I would not see that happening. You're doing too good of work. I don't. I can't see that happening. Well, I tried to write these. I put out six first-person articles about, um, you know, how my ghost, the ghost investigations about my house, and a couple of the scary things that happened, and um, just kind of what it felt like to have this kind of unfold in front of me. And I think 
the feedback that I've gotten from um, the readers of these magazines, the emails I've gotten, is that they seem to have enjoyed it because it was explained, you know, like a regular person. Hmm. Okay. I'm saying, well, very cool. All right. So moving on, um, we're going to move past ghosts, and we're going to talk about reincarnation. Now, what are what is your feelings? Where is your stance about past lives and reincarnation? Sorry about the darkening bog. No, that's okay. i got one at home, and she's asleep. Um, reincarnation <clears throat> is something that has always kind of, you know, kind of been frightening for me, um, and I've always kind of shied away from it until a few years ago I decided to write a book on reincarnation with one of my characters in my you know, um, novel series. It's called The Reincarnation of uh, Tess Hamilton. So I really had to um, open up my mind and my eyes about the real possibility. And I did some meditation tapes about it, um, Who Was I Before I Was Me? Um, it's kind of a past life regression type thing because I, I just wasn't keen on this. Well, be careful what you ask for. I got an answer. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just, it's breaking up a little bit. <clears throat> so um, a ghost came to me. Um, can you hear me? Are you good? Yes. Okay, sorry. A ghost came to me and um, said to me, now this has kind of freaked me out. I, I had a hard time adjusting to this. So, I, of course, I had to write an article, help me pa- find my past life murderer and put it on UFO Digest. So, anyways, this woman came to me, and I saw her face. She was a heavyset woman, kind of big hair, older, definitely dead. And she said, your name was Eleanor. You were my daughter and a jealous boyfriend killed you, murdered you in 1942, and then the event was over. So I'm thinking, you know, have I had some sort of mental break? Am I hallucinating? And I got online, and I tried to figure it out, and I'm not that great with computers. So the next day I was at the YMCA in the water therapy pool just doing my water walking. I mean, this is not exactly a glamorous uh, um, morning. Middle of the day, middle of the day, and I got flashed a picture or uh, I guess a telepathic picture, and I know it kind of sounds like crazy talk, of this young woman with red hair parted on the side, very, very fair Caucasian, very small eyes, heavy set gal, under 28 and between, you know, 18 and 28. And I knew in my gut that no words were spoken that this was Eleanor, and I was shown a picture of myself in my past life. And I mean, it's, absolutely awesome what i don't understand is why i didn't get a last name Hmm. in this and i didn't get more information and i've really tried in meditations this was about a year ago but uh i thought it was absolutely fascinating to know that i lived before didn't like the outcome of eleanor's life but and eleanor wasn't exactly a beauty i should say but it was pretty fascinating because that gave me my answer that I lived before. Wow. Yeah, I think it's a big wow. <laughs> that is so crazy. I don't even know where my past lives have been, what I did, anything. I really want to delve into that, get more into that. Somebody told me once that 
<laughs> I've heard all sorts of things that yeah. I used to run a whorehouse to I used to ride horses to oh gosh, I used to be some kind of governor. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even know. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't tell you the truth. I didn't feel connected to her mm-hmm. at all, or the mother, or had any epiphanies about their lives at all. Uh, but what was kind of weird is the character that I was writing, uh, Abigail Cantrell, in my novel. And before I had this epiphany about who I was, I had described her as red hair, blue eyes, very, very fair, skin that was absent of freckles. So I I think that was pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Um, I love when we get those little insightful messages that definitely help reaffirm what we're feeling or thinking on an intuitive level. Oh, my gosh, these dogs are going to drive me nuts. Got, oh. you got Cujo wants to get on the air. That's what it is. It really is. It really is. No, what I've, kind of I'm, dogs do you have, Brandon? They're, I'm at my aunt's house. Uh-huh. I was house-sitting over the weekend. They're Alaskan Pyrenees, Pyrenees or something like that. Oh, they're Pyrenees. Oh, my gosh, they're big dogs. They're big, white, poofy dogs. <clears throat> I love them. I love great Pyrenees. They're just a whole lot of dogs. Oh, gosh, they are. They're just so annoying. They bark. Well, they're big fur balls, and, you know, that's okay. I'm a dog person, and I'm sure most of the listeners are. Probably, yeah. They just bark at every little thing. It just gets to be too much right now. Especially while I'm sitting here trying to do the show, and then everybody's coming home right now. So I'm like, oh, perfect. Because <laughs> that's sort of Murphy's Law. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> you know what I kind of laugh is because, you know, I did get this Eleanor epiphany, and I have um, asked that, you know, people to help me solve my past life puzzle. But uh, I haven't had anything in a year, so I don't know if it will ever get solved. I think it will. I mean, if not, you'll know when, you know, we return back to all that is and see your little record. Maybe you get a little rundown of your life or whatever happened in your life and then figure out yeah. where your past lives were and how they compare, et cetera. Yeah, that's true. Who knows? Um, so let's move. That was definitely I was going to ask you about what yours consisted of, your past lives. We already answered that, which is very cool. And um, I have to say uh, – Brandon, that I had a past life regression over the phone on Tenacity Radio, and the guy was really absolutely fantastic. Very nice man, generous with his time. I didn't feel anything. I was not feeling the love. It didn't work out at all. Wow. So it was probably me. you got to be in the right place, right frame of mind, et cetera, just to release some intense stuff like that. You know, it's heavy. It's deep. Well, so. I guess so. <laughs> I would think so. I mean, I have, I mean, I'm a hypnotist and I have yet to do a past life regression because I'm a, I'm a little bit intimidated by it. I'm not going to lie. It's yes. scary. Like, what if people start getting emotional on me and start crying and, like, wanting to hurt themselves or something? Oh, well, what if they were a bad person? You know, that would be intense. That, yeah, that would not be good. Too. Uh-huh. That's why I'm going to wait. i got to wait till I'm a little bit more prepared. It won't take long, I'm sure, but i just got to be ready for it. That's all. So, all right, next question. Mm-hmm. So how do you think the world of the paranormal will transform in the future? What do you think it will be viewed as? Or well, I think the whole thing is because mass communication and the Internet, that will change the paranormal more than some sort of evolution thing. Because, you know, 
I think that listeners and readers out there that are on the net or internet are going to identify with people that are like themselves that have had paranormal experiences. And the way people are talking more open, more honestly about it, I think it's it, it's really struck a chord with uh, you know the average person. Did you know that it, um, one in four Americans actually have believe in ghosts? I think that's a huge percentage of the population. They believe in the possibility of ghosts. Okay, the possibility of. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Very interesting. See, and now there's like a whole bunch of uh, just shows that are giving ghosts attention now. All types of ghost hunting shows, celebrity ghost shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of them, they're everywhere, and it's such yeah. a huge interest right now, especially. You know, people have crucified Shirley MacLaine for being so honest about her beliefs, but I, I, I think she's got a courageous woman that was just honest about her uh, beliefs in the paranormal. I don't know if I totally agree with them, but, you know, who's who's to say? Who am I to judge? Yeah, that's very true. The woman's got some, you know, she's got some, uh, she's got a um, a lot of, lot of uh, courage. Shirley MacLaine, now who is she? Bring me to light. Ah, uh, shows my age. See, I'm 51, and Shirley MacLaine is an actress that's talked about astral projection, that's talked about a lot of interesting things. Hmm. She's an actress? Yes, she's. Wow. Like 70, so, you know, a <laughs> little before your time. <laughs> I, I feel like the name sounds familiar, that's why. Hey, listen, I like to, you know, I still listen to Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and and, and rock and roll, too, but, I mean, it's kind of, uh, uh, I appreciate things from my youth. I got you. So you're not into, like, Lady Gaga and... I'm Frank. sure she's fine. I, 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 I like, you know... Uh, Excellent uh, rock and roll, and uh, you know a huge combination of uh, uh, different musics. Very cool, eclectic. Eclectic. (laughs) Okay, so hmm, so that's about the future. Okay, now what is your opinion of psychics and mediums? Well, I think that there's quite a few of us that have had psychic phenomena in our Mm -hmm. life. You know, that yeah. might be seeing a ghost, knowing when somebody has died, just having that intu- you know intuition, knowing who it is when the phone rings and you know ESP, you know things like that. I guess there is mediums that can actually channel spirits. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot. I think there are some people with fabulous talents and much more psychic ability than I'll ever have. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's tons of mediums out there that are actually. Um, can actually do it. Yeah, I think I would. I would definitely agree with you. There are few and far between, that's for sure. Yeah, very few and far between. Yeah. You believe that you are a psychic or medium? I'm not a medium. I can't channel. Other people have said that I could channel. I cannot channel. And if I could, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want that kind of responsibility. Oh wow! Really? I wouldn't want the responsibility of talking with someone's loved one or, you know, or doing this for other people, even if they were friends or family. It's just way too powerful. Um, You could say the wrong thing, get a misinterpretation, and, you know, really cause havoc in someone's life. That is very true. And, I, I, you know, 
I, I write novels because I think that they're informative and funny and entertaining and thought-provoking. And uh, I write my articles because I, I hope people will read them and understand something about me. But as far as channeling, um, I will never do it even if I could. Wow. Very interesting. I guess it does take a lot of gusto to channel some dead people, dead spirits, et cetera. Yeah, it's just not, it's just not even something I'd be remotely interested in. <laughs> so on the internet, there's people that say that I can do it. There's some mis- some uh, misinformation about Miss Laura Kethledge out there that's quite upsetting to me. But oh wow, they're promoting you as being a psychic or something. Somebody is. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, and I don't give any readings, and and uh, you know, no. Hmm. Very interesting. One of our listeners said, "Good. It is best not to channel. There's no real need for it either." <laughs> Well, I mean, I can't say, you know, I, I, there's no ch- need for it in my life, let me put it that way. Yeah. I don't like to be one of these know-it-alls that I've got the answers because I only wish that I did. <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? Um, so then you would consider yourself to be psychic? Uh, I, I, I don't know, sensitive psychic. I don't know what even these the definition to these labels are. Maybe intuitive, maybe? Could be something like that. All of the above. I'm not sure, but I'm not a medium or a channeler or an exorcist or anything right. like that. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of people. Um, it's the label that really gets most people. Like the one main reason why I would uh, promote myself as being psychic is because I literally can feel what others are feeling when they present a problem or some sort of emotion to me. Because I can literally feel it, and so it's like I do understand to a certain amount, you know. And I'm like, well. There's no real word for that. How can people trust me that I can understand them? Well, then I just put psychic up there and say, oh, okay, and they just automatically think, oh, he does understand me, oh, et cetera, et cetera. So, but a lot of people just use it just out of context completely. And they don't I agree. I mean, that's an excellent point to bring up, Brandon. Which one? <laughs> well, what you just said, you know, people put bring things out of context. Yeah. You know, and these labels are rubber stamping people. I mean, I think it's fascinating, and I feel really thrilled that I was I'm able to see ghosts or spirits and occasionally communicate with them. I mean, I think that's thrilling. Now, if I hadn't written three novels, I wouldn't be talking about it. I'd just be keeping it to myself, like I did for 30 years. But after writing the novels, I was talking to some, you know, um, people in the business, and they said, "Well, you know, you've really got to explain yourself." And I said, well, since I have had a near-death experience and my first book is The Near-Death Connection, I had to explain that I've had one or how could anybody understand the laws and the, and the, real, the realities that I tried to explain. So I thought, well, you know, I'll cut out, come out of my cocoon and talk about it. And in one year I've done like 60 radio shows national. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. See, aren't you glad you got it all out in the open now? Yeah, I'm pretty much, I'm glad that I've talked about it, that there's a part of me that wish I had, you know, would like to take it all back. It's a bell you cannot unring. The reason is because of, you know, my privacy over this. Yeah, that is true. It is very near and dear and you don't realize it until all of a sudden you got people breathing down your neck all the time. Well, I've been very careful what I say. I'm not going to say a disparaging word about anybody, you right. know, who's got to wait on 1-800 number because who am I? <laughs> That's uh, very cool, though. I'm glad that you decided to 
lesser paranormal flower forest. Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, it shows, definitely, and I can see the excitement in your work. So I'm very excited to see what you will be putting out in the next few years. Well, I'm pretty thrilled about it. I think in the near-death connection, by the time you read the end of the book, you'll feel like you've had one. Because all these these different characters in my my novels, they've had these near-death experiences. And when they've returned, they've each come back with psychic ability, Mm -hmm. like myself. Now, I didn't have psychic ability before the accident. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, no. I mean, I I had nothing. Hmm. And the accident is what provoked this um, or started this, you know, flipped the switch. Yeah, they usually say it does. I got into um, a little bit of an accident myself a couple weeks ago. Oh, I'm sorry. It was okay. I just, I smacked my head on the windshield, and (sighs) after that, it was like, I did a radio show, it was a Thursday, and I did a radio show that evening, and all of a sudden, I was just on my game, I was on everything, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm doing so good, I think I knocked, like, psychic sense into me or something, it was so crazy. Possibly, you don't know. Yeah, yeah, it is very possible. I definitely, ever since then, it was like, this big shock, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and everything just started clicking ten times faster, and then things started falling into place, and I started realizing and reading people, like, Amazing! I couldn't even control it. I had no idea what was going on. It was awesome, though. Oh, and I wasn't even near death. I just smacked my head on the windshield. And that was the first accident I had ever been in. Oh. Well, I'm glad you weren't hurt worse. Thank you. Well, Bud Lions, lady. You got your hair cut? Wow. Good. Did you get it yesterday? All right, well, hang on. I'm going to talk to you a little bit on my hair, so thank you. My aunt just got home from, uh, where'd you go, Virginia, to go see her granddaughter. Oh, how nice. Yeah, that's why I was watching the dog. You have to tell her that she has great taste in dogs, because I love Great Pyrenees. Did you hear that? Oh, They're wonderful dogs. When I was a little kid in Baldwinsville, New York, there was this, this Great Pyrenees named Big Brother, and he was enormous, and he was so gentle with all the neighborhood kids. Wow, that's cool. Actually, Big Brother was huge. <laughs> I lied. They're American Eskimos. My bad. Oh, he's growling at me because I called him wrong. <laughs> well, you hurt his feelings. I probably did. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Anyways, mm-hmm. we're back on track here. Um, let's see what somebody says in the chat room. Um, and channeling lets a strange being into your own personal space within, and that is reserved for you and those you love to share with. Not a strange being, whether they are higher dimensional beings or not. There are safer ways of communication. That is very true. I believe that you can communicate with them in other ways instead of letting them control your body. That always kind of freaked me out. The exorcist, that always freaks me out. Oh, you know, when I saw the exorcist, I just laughed when the girl was spinning her head because all I could think of is pea soup, you know. Uh, I was not scared in the exorcist. Oh but, uh, you know, I watched Jaws uh, when it came out in 1975, and I just about cried. It was so scary. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was like the total opposite. Like, the exorcist scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Jaws was just like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, but when I was a little kid, I, you know, um, I, I was born in Baldwinsville, New York, and then, but um, most of my childhood was in Daytona Beach, Florida, and I swam out in the ocean not all the time. Uh, uh, okay. And I just think now back to it, I was trolling. 
<laughs> Live trolling. One of my best friends, was she was up at the pier one day, and she was telling me the story, because uh, we had always swum in the ocean. So she was on the pier, and she looked down, and it was, you know, like 20 feet from uh, um, swimmers, and she saw like a 12-foot gigantic, huge, big, big, you know, man-eating shark, and, you know, she'd never gone in the ocean since. Wow. That's scary. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Not to swim, that's for sure. Well, don't worry. You don't got to worry about them now. No. Well, I live in Kentucky. It would be really tough for a shark to come here. <laughs> that is true. Well, I think people don't even have to worry about all the stuff that's happening. There's probably nothing swimming there. That's for sure. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit, Brandon. I know. I'm sorry. The signal is really crappy. Let me see what I can do. That's all okay. right. Two bars. We're good. <laughs> Okay, so let's move on to the next question. Now, recently, I'm sure all of you can agree, there's definitely been a peak of interest in the paranormal realm. Now, Laura, do you think this has any correlation with the predicted events that are supposed to happen in 2012? No. You know know why people are more interested in the paranormal? I can tell you. Because these are hard, hard economic times. I think folks just want to be reassured that there is something out there, and I think that paranormal is, number one, an entertainment diversion, and number two, I think it's really the economic times. People want to be distracted from their daily lives. I mean, it's the way the taxes are going. You know, they never go down. Um, It's more expensive to live every day, and you know, folks have lost their pension, their jobs, and it's tough out there. Interesting. Yeah. It's not the, you know, when I was a kid in the 60s, you know, your dad got a good job. He usually stayed with it. There was some security. And now today, you know, people have changed jobs five or six times in their career after college. Mm-hmm. There isn't the job security there once was. And we have disposable workers. Yeah. Because you know we've 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 uh, outsourced all of our jobs to overseas, and um, you know real Americans are hurting. Pretty bad too. Yeah, it's a heartbreak. It's a heartbreak. Very very true. So you think that they're reaching out to the paranormal as a means of something else to believe in, or? It's also a great diversion. It's yeah. something you know different. People are talking now more about it since the internet, and you know. We don't just have ABC, NBC, and CBS. We've got all these great cable shows. We've got, you know, so much diversity in entertainment. And and, um, I think that's why uh, My Ghost Story and uh, Ghost Hunters and all all that stuff, it's people because there is a scientific side of the paranormal that a lot of intellectuals are attracted to that they really want to know. Think so? Do you think science will be able to prove it? Well, possibly. I mean, it doesn't matter one way or another for me. You know, yeah. it would be nice if they could have more explanation. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Maybe that's the whole point too. Um, maybe. Oh, would you like to know one of the things I really learned when I had my near-death experience? Of course, of course. One of the things I it, it was explained to me. That everything we do in this life, you know, how you treat other people, 
if you cut, you know, uh, you cut in line, you you, you uh, say something disparaging about somebody. You don't do your finest to be, you know, a good person. I'm not a good a good role model. I mean, I have a potty mouth, somewhat of a temper. I'm certainly not a saint, but uh, I sure don't go out of my way to hurt others or harm others. And one of the reasons is everything you do in this life, how you treat people, you get the bill at the end. And if you think shortchanging somebody or stealing from somebody, you're getting away with something, oh, no, my friend, you are not. (laughs) You get, you know, it's not like a judgment day. You are drawn into the other person's feelings that you've done harm to, and you basically judge yourself. Mm -hmm. And you're your own worst critic. Mm -hmm, That's true. So, you know, there was uh, some things that I learned and were shown to me, uh, and it really does take you away from materialistic uh, values. That is very, very true. Yeah, I would always try to shy away from that. I learned that lesson big time and early in my life, that material is not uh, where you truly gain in life. Not where life is fulfilled, and you can't take it with you. You know, there's no no such thing as poor and happy. The middle class and happy works for me. Yep. Oh yeah. Amen to that. See, but I I don't know. I'm a little bit different. I kind of do want this high recognition, this high fame, even though I know it's not going to last with me for all of existence. I just want to be I want to be known, and I felt it in my bones since I was born that I either had some sort of huge puzzle piece to this world for all of humanity or that I was just going to be highly well known and I don't know why I never knew what for but well maybe that's that your course is I mean I never it never appealed to me I never thought about being well known I mean I'd like to be well published have a nice check at the end of the day and I'd like for people to read my books you know and I'm really proud of them because there's a lot of explanation but there's also a mystery there's a real plot characters over 30 that are interested, and I always say that my novels are like a paranormal version of the TV show Lost with these great characters that you learn about, and they all have secrets. And, um, you know, the plots twist and turn. But, you know, it's not boring, and it's not like, uh, it's not stupid, you know. It's not like a stupid, you know, horror novel with one-dimensional people that are kind of idiots. Right. You know. And you don't have, you know, some half-naked co-ed being chased by an inbred hill- hillbilly with a chainsaw. You know, you, you have to skip that part. That's very true. Um, so I do want to get into your books, um, but after I run through my other questions. Oh, yes, yeah. I've talked enough about my books tonight. Oh, we're going to be doing some more talking. Don't you worry. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, we were talking about 2012. So what do you think is going to happen in 2012? They say it's going to be the end of the quote-unquote known world. Do you think anything is going to happen? No, I think it's a number. I'm sorry to disappoint. I I just don't believe anything's going to happen at all. So why not um, use some of the hype as part of your success? Oh, I, I, I wouldn't say anything that wasn't true. Right. Well, there's not even enough to know to be able to say that something is true, you know? (laughs) Yeah, well, they said the same thing, you know, the year 2000, you know, that it was going to kill all the computers. I think that's a whole much, you know, whole lot to do about nothing. Now, I could be totally wrong, so. 
that is true. Well, at least you accept the possibility. <laughs> well, I'm very open-minded. That one thing I've learned through the paranormal, my paranormal experiences, and and life as well, and and I, I understand how people tick. I'm a real observant person and able to kind of uh, understand other people's characters pretty well. And just nothing at this point in my life really is a surprise. Nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> I know that feeling. It really is the shocker to be surprised still. And the older you get, the realize that, you know, um, the less you know. Because, you know, it's a very diverse world that we live in. Hmm. Well, uh, I got one of the, I got a question from the chat room um, asking, if you think some ghosts may be impersonating and actually be something else than what they see or experience, and that could be. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen to me. But that that could that could. There's a possibility. I think so too. I would agree with that. I definitely wouldn't want you to experience it either. That's for sure. No, but I mean, um, that that could be. Very cool. All right. So moving along. Now there are many stories and movies about paranormal activity. No pun intended. But in regards to children and kids growing up with these popular movies, do you think that the paranormal world is something to be feared? Do you think that children should be fearing it like the movies depict? Or should it be welcomed with open arms and open possibility, open minds, etc.? Well, well, Brandon, it's all age appropriate. You know, you wouldn't want to show The Exorcist to kindergartners. Right. You would, there's some movies that, you know, just, you know, R-rated type movies that just kids don't really need to see until they're 18. Um, I, I think Paranormal Activity and Blair Witch Project, I think that they're great, and I think they do scare you and entertain you, and I think they're great in some of the other paranormal movies. I mean, I give a high five for I like Zombieland, so, you know, there there you go. But what I think is really bad and very dangerous for really anybody under the age of 21 is these violent, violent slasher movies. I just would not want my child to see them. I think it it desensitizes them to this really obscene violence. I mean, with just really no merit. Uh, And I'm not a prude, and I'm not, um, I just think it's just too much violence. It really is. I was watching. It's gross, too. It's gross stuff. It is. I was watching Rob Zombie's depiction of Halloween 1 and 2. It Uh was the most disturbing two movies I've seen in my entire life. Those movies, they literally put thoughts in my head of what it would be like to kill another person. Like, they were so effed up, and they were so gory, and they were so just graphic and gruesome. And what does it do for anybody? Does it make life better? Does it have any social redemption? You know, is it going to make kids a better person? I don't know. I I don't know. Honestly, it once it it put thoughts in my head and it kind of freaked me out. I'm like, okay, this is really effed up. Like that movie was the most effed up thing I've ever seen in my life. And then now I can sit here and think about gory stuff and you know all these horrible things. To people, I'm like, this is this is not okay. This is- the only thing they're good for is dieting because they'll kill your appetite. <laughs> yeah. It's not the only there's you know. I just don't think that uh, young people, kids. Children need the the slasher movies. I wish they would tone them down. 
That is very true. Very so I kind of like Scream 3, I have to tell you. But, uh, <laughs> but it had a lot more sense of humor in it than anything. Right. Well, I think, one, going back to the children, I think both you and I can agree that kids are growing up way faster um, as time moves on. And kids are just getting so much more adult-like the younger and younger every year, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and you know what? Childhood should be kind of fun and cherished, and, you know, I mean, they're going to have to pay bills and taxes soon enough. Why mm-hmm. rush it? Exactly. I know I sure did, though, when I was a kid. I couldn't wait to be an adult. I thought I was going to be a child forever, and then all of a sudden I turned up. I grew up, and I'm like, oh, shoot. Oh, no, what do I do now? Yeah, I was out kind of early in life and, uh, you know, working and doing different stuff. But, mm. yeah, I mean, um, we're going to be old before we know it, so why rush it? I'd like to go back and, you know, be a kid and not have to pay the electric bill and, you know, just do goofy stuff and, and not have the worries of an adult. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. I would love to go back to that anytime. Oh, yeah. I kind of, you know, that's kind of part of my mission as well is keeping the inner child still alive and well and still living every day like it's a childlike vacation. I think that's a great attitude. I mean, uh, I think it's very great. In comparison, I am a, I'm a very responsible adult. You know, I've never had a, a traffic ticket. You know, I don't drink and drive. I don't text and drive. I, I don't do a lot of stupid stuff, but, boy, I've got a big kid sense of humor. I mean, I am a, a, a 12-year-old with some, you know, like, I used to love watching mad TV and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I never grew up. <laughs> One of my favorite things is going to comedy clubs. Oh, I, I just love funny. I love to laugh. I mean, I write paranormal novels, and I have to tell you that I do put a sense of humor, and there are some very, very funny things that happen in the novels because my sense of humor had to go somewhere. And I, I like writing, writing, you know, some funny stuff. Absolutely, you got to keep it funny. It's the perfect uh, spectrum, duality, fear and happiness. Or, well, happy and sad, you know, the drama face or whatever. Yeah, and I, I also think putting a sense of humor because life is just filled with ironies and, and silliness oh, yeah. and, and just dumb stuff. Oh, yeah, I agree. That's very, very, very true. Without it, it would just be way too boring. It would be way too it's way too serious. Yeah, exactly. And like, it shouldn't be all serious. Why else would we be here? We're meant to have fun. We're meant. To I was having a paranormal experience one time, and I know I was with a ghost, and and I and then um I don't remember what it was. This happened a long time ago. I started laughing so hard <laughs> I could hardly con- you know and nearly peed in my pants. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> So I, I do believe that you're able to carry some, you know, sense of humor with you when you die. I hope If you so. had it when you were alive. Oh, uh, if and only if? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you were not uh, a humorous person uh, uh, when you were alive, you know, don't expect your gets going to increase. <laughs> I can see that. That's for sure. All right. Well, my last question um, about you, what you believe is the most important thing to remember, the most important thing the paranormal world has to teach us. Oh, gracious, that's a big one. You know, I'm not going to go, and it will be world peace. You know you always see that in a beauty 
contest, and you just want to slap the girl that says it. No. Uh, okay. Uh, I think it's very important to be really humble about um, paranormal experiences, to be very skeptical and um, and respectful about the whole process. I agree. Absolutely. You got I think the most important thing um, is just to be a believer and, again, just have something to believe in, like you said before. Yeah, don't rule out what you don't know. Exactly. There you go. Perfect. Wise words from a wise, wise woman. <laughs> An old cow. What can I say? <laughs> All right, Laura, um, we're going to take a quick break real quick, give you a chance to refuel, grab something to drink or whatever, and then we're going to come back and talk about your books and what you're doing and learn a little bit more about your work, and you can plug in your websites and where to find you. Okay. Oh, great. Now, how long is this show? Um, It's probably, it, it goes until 11, but I think I might be early because right. um, we just have everything taken care of. We're doing well, just brace yourself, Brandon, because I can keep on talking for a long time. It's very right. frightening, very frightening. <laughs> well, we have an, uh, an hour and nine minutes left. Okay, cool, cool. All right, we'll be right back in about three minutes. All right. Hi, Mary. Hi. I thought the hurricane season was over. The hurricane season was over. Are you ready for a crazy ride? You're on your own, it ain't right Something's gotta give in tonight Together we can To the moon, stop the rain Even ride a hurricane If we wanna Together we can Walk in space, save the human race Oh, if only we could see how to bring humanity to a point of clarity. Lucky you listen to me. I know the game. I've lived it well. Forget the shame. Let's show and tell. This world is ours. No country fame. Our earth belongs to just one name. You'll find it in the heart of light. Bring the light and fight the night. So close your eyes and connect to me. Don't second guess, it's destiny Together is the place to be If we could only look and see Together we can Shoot the moon, stop the rain Even ride a hurricane If we wanna Together we can Walk in space Save the human race You think we oughta Oughta now that we've got a strong connection See the screen eyes like projection I know this life is not so easy So I give thanks to little oh, I know. It's the truth like so ironic Sharing comments and hit that chronic And many others come to find There's more to life than what's defined The clock is ticking, there's so much time Free the soul and write the rhyme Start searching high and read the caption This is now your call to action If we could only look and 
Together we care to the moon stop the rain, even ride a hurricane if we wanna. Together we can walk in space, save the human race. Do you think we oughta, oughta? I said together we can walk in space, save the human race. Do you think we oughta, oughta? Together we can, we can do anything. Together we can. Oh, one of my favorite songs. Together we can do anything. I'm a firm, firm believer in that. Brandon, did you did you sing that? I did. Yes. Oh God, I love it. That is excellent. Oh, thank you. It's so fun. I made that one. Um. I don't know if you know the Cheetah Girls. It's one of the Disney movies, but that's where I got the chorus from, and I just felt so inspired by it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I love it. It's fun, it's bright, and it, it's positive. I like that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I, I think I want to keep going with music, but I'm not sure. Uh, it's, it's something fun for me to mess around with. And I just Speaking to... from a woman who can't sing and frightens small animals when she does, <laughs> if you can sing, go for it. <laughs> well, thank you. I think I might have to keep up. Yeah, I mean, I sing, and I think the dog just was ready to cry. (laughs) They're howling with you. Oh. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I used to sing chorus um, all through grammar school and in the church, but Mm. I had my tonsils and adenoids out when I was 16, and my voice really changed afterwards, and then it just just sounded frightening. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I don't know what I would do if I lost my voice. I I would be a mess. That would be a mess, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. It's one of those powerful assets, I know that, but we'll see where it goes. I don't know. You know what I did want to say, if I could make a, a postscript note? Um, you know, and I've done different shows or I've talked with people, uh, you know, things like that in, in my work. They expect because, you know, you, quote, have some psychic ability that you will be a very serious, almost melancholy personality. And I think a lot of it is if you do... I'm going to say this to listeners, if you do have some psychic ability, great. Run with it, you know, keep it in check, because we live in the here and now, and it shouldn't be your identity. It should be part of, incorporated in part of your whole, you know, uh, personality. It just shouldn't be an identity badge, I don't believe. Amen. It It just, you know, that wouldn't work for me. I have friends that are uncomfortable with it, you know, good personal friends. We just don't talk about it. Exactly. There Plus, really I'm not people. out to convert either. I'm not out to convert every, anybody. <laughs> That's funny. You know, a lot of people do try to do that and make you believe. Actually, what my, I want to do is either make a short book or a film or a story um, about how I believe psychic powers to be true and That's how they, they came um, to be real in my world, and maybe you could help me out with this. I, oh, I think that'd be great. I could, yeah, we'll we'll talk uh, at another time. Yeah, I've got, I can give you some really good pointers. Uh, I think what would be great if you did some first-person articles. I mean, can you can you write write? Oh yeah, I can write. That's for sure. Well, I think that would be great, and I think there's a real need, a real hunger that uh, some people have. It, and you have to realize there's a lot of people out there. They have these psychic abilities. You know, they may be older. They may have be in a real strict religious um, upbringing, and, and, and they just don't have anybody to talk about it with. Mm-hmm. 
That is very true. That's why I'm very grateful for Blog Talk Radio. Such an amazing community of people here. What a great idea it was and how wonderful it has all turned out on Blog Talk. I am a huge Blog Talk listener. I love tuning in and uh, uh, downloading the podcast and listening to the shows. It's just really informative. Oh, yeah, definitely. And people that are out there doing it for free, you know, out of wanting to just give information and spread mm-hmm. their and everything. And it's great. Not like all the big-time moguls that only tell you stuff just because it's famous and they're making mad money off of it. It's nice to hear legit people. Yeah, and you're going to get a better view of the of reality than you are on, uh, you know, some of mm-hmm. the other shows out there. Especially like Ryan Seacrest's show or something. Hi, you know, I was watching Entertainment Tonight, and they're talking about good dresses and bad dresses. Oh, well, yeah. And we live in a country where people are having a hard time putting clothes on their children's back. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's pretty ridiculous to talk about whose designer gown is bad and whose was good when, you know, people having problems, you know, putting sneakers on their kids' feet. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. I know that. I agree. There are so many um, houses getting foreclosed on and stuff. I mean, oh, it just makes me shudder. I hope things go better, and I hope that, uh, you know, this economy will turn around. Yeah, I hope so. Something's got to give, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's dive into your books. Now, tell the listeners um, about them, what they are, what they're about. Uh, don't give away too much, of course. So that yeah. I, I got to start at the beginning because this is a funny story. Now, people will like this. I'm dyslexic. I mean, I am dyslexic in a way it's almost frightening. But that's who I am, and it's part of me, and it doesn't bother me anymore. So I've got dyslexia, um, and I have never thought of myself as a writer. just never occurred to me. I lived in New York City, worked on a TV show, hung out with actors and the whole quote, in crowd for a number of years. Uh, in 1987, I had just left my husband. I was absolutely broke. Didn't have an apartment anymore. Didn't have a job. Didn't know what I was going to do. I was just scared to death. And I went to, uh, I was camping out at a friend's, and I went to bed one night. And I felt kind of funny when I went to bed. And I just, I went into this deep, deep, deep sleep. And in this sleep, I dreamt the beginning of my first novel, The Near-Death Connection. It had been quite a few years since I'd had my near-death experience, but I, I dreamt this story was sort of given to me psychically in these some of these characters, and I, I didn't know what to do with it. I jotted some stuff down, and I went and met with, uh, um, I won't say his name, but this guy's won an Academy Award, and he's a big-time writer and, and, and everything. And I, I said, you know, am I going to be a cat chasing its tail? Is this something or... Do you think this sounds like a good story? And I got, like, everyone said, oh, my gosh, you really got to do this, Laura. This sounds like a really compelling story. And then I, I, I did, I worked on it a little bit here and there, did outlining, you know, stuff like that, chapter, character development. I did research, you know, and I kind of diddled around for 10 years. And then in, 19, in 1990, I sat down and I said, okay, you know, just do it, okay? Maybe you're dyslexic. Maybe you've never written another bo- a book before. Do it. And it just, the story just tumbled out. And as it tumbled out onto the pages, I mean, I just felt guided to write this. Uh, 
uh, compelled to write this. If there was nobody on uh, planet Earth but me and the dog, I would still be writing this story. I mean, I had so much. And it just kind of just took off and had a, a life of its own. Um, it's not what you think it's going to be, the near-death connection with these characters that have had a near-death experience. There is so much more. You meet these really interesting, colorful, but believable characters. You know, and it starts in 1979 with this quote-unquote event that happened in Middleburg, Virginia. And in the second chapter, you'll meet everybody that you'll know through the four novels. So, uh, and it has a real uh, character development. So it's six weeks in these people's lives. And then I fast forward to one day um, in 1994 that this happens. And then there's like this big conclusion and stuff. I can't get too much into it because I'll give out the plot line. Then the second book will go flash sideways to um, 1981. And uh, it's called Throwaway Horses where a few of the characters from the first novel will come. And and, um, on Christmas Eve, this character, Sharon Landry, who in the novel's, is based on myself and she's kind of like i am like a train wreck that says what she thinks she is she's middle-aged she's quite colorful she's a little slimmer than i am anyways she'll tell about this really bad thing she did uh and this murder mystery that takes place in ormond beach florida in 1959 so it becomes like a a period piece and she'll tell this really interesting story and um uh, it's a horse sla- about a horse slaughterhouse. So it's a little Stephen Kingish, but it's more implied violence than anything. And there's a murder mystery. And then when that gets solved, there's something more to it I can't say. And then, you know, that's the first half of my second novel. The second half is The Last House on Covington Lane. So let me say, uh, that is, is definitely a haunted house-themed uh story but there's so much more these ghosts in the first part you know will follow and some twists and turns and then there's an open-ended mystery then you go to the third novel the reincarnation of tess hamilton and i take a minor character from the first novel and she recounts her whole past life uh living in lexington kentucky uh just before the battle of perryville during the civil war and brandon would you like to hear about the research i did Absolutely, yes. Okay. Um, the Abigail Cantrell a character is living in a border state, and this isn't like Gone with the Wind or any romanticism whatsoever about the Civil War. It's more this woman is that lived in it, she was an intellectual when being a woman and an intellectual meant nothing. But I went to the, the battlegrounds in Perryville and uh, did extensive, extensive reading and research on this and into the Keeneland Racetrack, you know, um, museum and libraries. And since I live outside of Lexington, I I put everything very, very detailed in in as well as I could explain it. Mm -hmm. And it's a really cool thing with some twists and and turns. But there's a story, you know, once this this, uh, character reveals this past life story, and then there's a real mystery afterwards. So I don't want to reveal too much. But in the final book, The Near-Death Conclusion, which I have outlined but I have not written, it's going to be the fourth novel in the series, uh, The Near-Death Conclusion, all of these people re-intersect 
you know, 30 years later, they all hook up again, and they've all known each other for a reason. And nothing was coincidence that happened in their lives. Wow, that is so cool. So, and I've spent years, years plotting these storylines and developing these characters. And, you know, my books are like 500 pages a piece, so that's 750 paperback. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah, wow. so I'm going to say one thing. When they're published, the, the reader's getting their money's worth because they're fast-paced and um, a lot of details. There's a lot of clues throughout the first two novels that will come to fruition in the second and, the, I mean, the third and the fourth novels. A lot of clues. That is awesome. I can see these being, like, amazing movies. Well, I've written it, and it kind of, you know, the way I write is very, very descriptive, and it's set out like you would do a movie. But there is some narrative parts that, you know, there's a lot of explanation. And I will explain how, what a near-death experience is. I will explain the laws and the things that happen when you have an out-of-body experience, when you have what I believe reincarnation is. So, so there's a lot of detailed detailed stuff. It's not right, you know, you know, why is this ghost moaning, you know, that kind of crap. Right, right. So I'm very, very proud of these stories and hope to get a really good uh, publishing deal and movie deal. But that takes time and that takes work. It does. That is very true. Mm-hmm. Very dedicated and knowing good people, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, excellent. It sounds very good. I, you definitely have piqued my interest. I can't wait till these are out and I will be on that for sure. I knew you were a man of good taste, Brandon. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So let me ask you now: Why um, would you suggest your book to a random person? Why would somebody want to go read your book? Well, I think what they'll get is a well-crafted novel that is not dumbed down to the reader. You know, there is a good storyline, and it's not all for the twenty-something. It's not like you know, Twilight, which is a good book. Uh, you know, Romeo and Juliet with a you know that had a blood transfusion. It's nothing like that. These are some. If somebody likes mysteries, this is a good book for them. If somebody likes a little romance, I have an unusual uh, love triangle. But if you want, and some of the characters are young, but some of them over thirty and forty and fifty are some of the most interesting ones that you, that you can imagine. So everybody has. A story, and each character is a vital part. So it's not like you've got one heroine that goes through all these novels. Um, mm-hmm. Minor characters become major characters. So there's a switching off of, of these group of people, and I think that that will hold uh, a reader's attention that it's not, you know, a formula book. Right. Very cool. It sounds so interesting. I love how it's just kind of there's a little bit of. Uh, interest in the first one, but then it really brings up something else in that second book. And I love how they all correlate together. That's the most amazing part. It's almost they, like, they interlock, you know, in over a 30-year span. That's awesome. It's almost like they're a giant puzzle, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, it's like weaving this big tapestry, but I can, you know, and it's been such a, a wonderful process. I do believe I've been given uh, the paranormal uh, uh, influence, you know, because of my experiences, but I also believe I've had a little help. Yeah. I from think. non-human, you know, I don't get, I'm just saying. I just feel, 
Um, yeah, I was given a little push in that direction. I mean, who actually dreams their novels? Hmm. Interesting. I think um, I'm coming to that myself. I'm having some very intense dreams, and I ask for them to be answered. Good for uh, you. For all of my questions and everything that I want to do to be answered through my dreams. And I just get the most surprising, shocking answers. That's for sure. I'll have a dream about some zombie apocalypse or a dream about, I don't know, something crazy. And I wake up instantly, and I just have to write them all down. I have well, to. You know what you should do as a writer that I do? I have all my work copywritten. Oh, really? Everything with the Library of Congress, everything I've got, every note, everything I've got is copywritten um, and filed properly. And, uh, you know, it's my intellectual uh, property. And I think that that is a very smart idea. Now, how do you do that? How do you even go about that? You contact the Library of Congress and you get and um, also have a lawyer and you make sure that you protect your rights. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel like I need to do that. I do have some very valuable stuff that I've written down. Well, I have a laptop, and I, I, I do all my um, emails and, you know, conducting stuff, you know, with people on my laptop, but I don't have any of my uh, literary works on uh, my laptop because I don't want anybody sending me a virus or boosting into my C drive. Yeah, you know, I just went through that problem. I had to restart my whole computer. I had to reboot it. Because my phone wouldn't work, and I lost everything. I really lost everything. I tried to pack some of it up, but uh, the external hard drive I have just wasn't cutting it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I have my I have my good stuff in my safety deposit box and mm-hmm. copywritten. And I'm, you know, if somebody wants to go to jail for five years and give me ten million dollars, well, you know, <laughs> it's theirs. <laughs> it also helps having a very good attorney. Yeah, yeah, I will you know, do that. So, you know, I, I'm real funny like that. No, that's that's good. I, I'm going to have to learn from you and take some of your advice because i got to do the same thing. i got to protect some of this stuff. Well, you know, and there's just some very good, you know, um, you've got to live in the real world and be realistic like that, and I think that's very, very smart. But, you know, uh, I have to share with you something that's kind of funny. Um, when I first wrote my first novel, I had my father read it, who's a very educated man, and he read it and he handed it back to me and he said, who helped you with that? <laughs> he didn't think his daughter could write a novel, and I said, well, nobody living. Uh, yeah, because I'm very, very secretive about plot lines and, mm-hmm. and nobody helps me do anything. You know, that's true, though, and especially when you give good ideas away, it's just like it's a waste because... Yeah. You've already instilled it within somebody's mind. You haven't done anything about it yet, and you ask them. I do that all the time, and I used to. I, I had a great idea, and I tell my immediate, the person that was closest to me. And all of a sudden, then the idea just it's dead because I've told somebody about it. They gave me their opinion. I didn't do anything about it, and it just dies. Well, so, be generous when you can and then protect yourself at the same time. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Definitely need to remember that. See, I could learn a lot from you. <laughs> no, just years and years of making mistakes in life, you know. If I could go back to my former self when I was 21, I would say, you know, live for yourself, get your own career, <laughs> don't worry about your love life, and just live, you know, just do your own thing. Oh, gosh, I wish somebody would have told me that earlier about not worrying about my love life. Oof. Yeah. That was whew, half of my teenage years. 
Actually, I know. It, it's sort of like youth is totally wasted on the young. What can I say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, got to learn one way or another, right? I know. I know. No better way than experience, that's for sure. That's why I can't wait to share my experience in the paranormal field even more. I want to take it deeper. I want to. Well, did I tell you that you know we've had EVPs and ghost investigations at my house? Oh, please uh, start telling me. You started to tell me a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, uh, somebody saw me on TV, the Kentucky Spirit Seekers. They came out. They saw me give an interview on TV, and they came out, and they did an investigation. Mm-hmm. They had positive findings and EVPs, and they were only here for a couple of hours. And they have agreed to come back. Uh, I think sometimes this month or next month for a second investigation. I've also had the World Paranormal Investigations team from Ohio came all the way down here and spent the night. And these people were fantastic. Both teams were just, um, I can't tell you, the, uh, they both had integrity. They were interesting, informative, and very, very scientific. Well, we had a seance. Mm-hmm. And during the seance, this cluster of shadows came across the uh, ceiling and we took pi- they took pictures and there was video equipment and um there was um also um EVPs electronic voice phenomena which I was kind of naive about and it was very fascinating to hear uh names and during the séance I was saying something and then you can hear somebody in the back say I died wow and someone was talking, and then and then another voice said, "Who?" And there was a name in um, uh, being told, and, and I think it was very exciting. Some of these things, there is paranormal activity um, in this house and that surrounds me. And to to have tongue in cheek humor about it, I've got my house listed as I think haunted, Kentucky horse farm for sale, uh, in Craigslist. <laughs> so if anybody wants to buy my house, it's about fifty or sixty thousand dollars over. You know, probably it's appraised value, and it's yours. Ghosts included, but not guaranteed. But I wrote a funny uh, ad. You know, it, you know, it's being you know humorous and stuff. But I'm very serious. I'll sell the house. That is very cool. I, I think there should be more places like that, especially haunted places. They should be turned into, like, schools almost, where you can go learn, and if you want to try to learn about ghosts and communicate with them, that would be a good place to spend some time, I believe. What better place than directly at the source, you know? Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure in this, you know, the, this tough economic uh, economy, I don't think a haunted house sells like it used to. But, uh, know. you know, I've got an know. adorable farm, horse farm. It's five acres, so, you know, if anybody... Uh, wants to buy it, you know, it's there. So, uh, but I don't mind living here. You know, I could yeah. stay here another ten years and I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> That's cool. Well, definitely, I know you have a connection with the horses. Yeah, um, I love horses. I'm sure, you enjoy that a lot. I think those are. Uh, I think horses are very spiritual beings. They're very powerful. Well, yeah. they're sweet. They're a little bit stupid, but you know, they've got me working for them. So, how dumb <laughs> are they? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's very true. Somebody told me, one, a, a psychic or a medium, they were like, I was asking about my own writings, and then they said something about horses. They are like, there's there's some kind of connection with you and horses. And I'm like, huh. I'm like, well, I went horseback riding like once in my life, but mm-hmm. I thought it was very fun. I loved it. It was cool. Except well, with, you know, my second novel, Throwaway Horses, 
I have an epilogue at the end because of uh, um, the horse slaughter. You know, once I start doing research into these slaughterhouses, and this is a slaughterhouse that's mythical in, in 1959, but it's applicable today. And the reason it is is that discarded, unwanted, unloved, and stolen, I'm talking stolen horses, are being shipped to Canada and Mexico. They're being shipped in um, uh, railway cars and trucks that, without food or water, and they're you know mangled and um, so injured when they get there. And then they're, you know, the the butchering process is just beyond description. It's very Stevish, Stephen Kingish, and mm-hmm. these there's there's stolen horses that are going uh, that were people's beloved pets, and they're going to the slaughterhouse. And it's a grisly death, and it would be so much more humane if you don't want your horse, you know, and it's too old to get another home to um, have your vet euthanize it. But let me tell you, there's beautiful racehorses that go to the slaughterhouse because they haven't won a race recently, and they made their owners so much money. And it's pretty heartbreaking, some of the stuff. So what I did, I have to tell you, what I did after I wrote this novel, I thought, you know, I got to put my money where my mouth is. I got to do the right thing. I went out and adopted an unloved, unwanted uh, horse and uh, saved her from, you know, death. And I called her my sl- my sweet little slaughterhouse special. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. And she's That's like, so perfect. she's like so old, and she doesn't do anything but power nap. And I had the dentist. Oh, if you want to talk about expenses, I had a, the the equine dentist who's great, and he came out, and it, you know we were opening her mouth and you know filing the teeth and giving her a dental check, and she had all these teeth missing up front. You know, poor little thing. <laughs> she's sweet, and she has a little life, and she didn't deserve to end up on some Frenchman's dinner plate. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very good. I'm very glad you did that. That was. Uh... Very good move. So you definitely have a a deep personal connection with your second story. Well, I put home, let's face it, I put all my novels on horse farms. Uh Everybody lives in a horse farm or has horses in my novels because I live and breathe the equine. Do I ride? No. But uh, I used to, and uh, they're just like big lap dogs to me (laughs) and uh, in a horse costume. But I think that uh, it adds richness to have them. Uh, I think that the horse farms are neat, and, and um, it makes the uh, stories more interesting. Yeah, definitely. I would agree. It's a good, interesting setting. Now, the one weird experience I've had with horses, like I said, I went horseback riding one time, and we went to one of my parents' friends' house where they have a horse farm. And I went out there, and uh, we went camping. We were just decided to camp out in the tent and chill and whatnot. And in the middle of the night... Um, me and one of the boys that was there, we got up and we just wanted to go wander around. And we went through the little electric fence and started petting the horses while they were roaming free and standing there. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they just started stampeding. Scared the crap out of me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't even know what to do with these things. They're huge. What do I do? What do I do? You get killed that way. Yeah, so I just stood there. I just stood there, and they just went around me completely. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this was that was crazy. I definitely could have just died right now. And I just I don't know why they didn't run into me or what have you, but 
luck. It must have been. Yeah, horses can panic, and I, I mean, I love them. I have them. I've had the same horse for like 22 years, but you can definitely get clobbered. I've been nearly killed a couple times. I had some serious concussions and broken bones, and yeah, I'm wow. a masochist. Yeah, I mean, I've, I had a horse flip and crush me when I was 12 on, oh on asphalt. Yeah, and it was funny, well, not funny, haha, but funny, weird. Before the horse flipped up on top of me because it ran away and it ran to the major highway, uh, I left my body and I saw myself just before I had the accident. Wow. And I I guess I call it an out-of-body experience. And mm-hmm. it was so weird it felt natural. Hmm. Yeah. That is, that is insane. So do you want to tell everybody a little bit about your own near-death experiences? Because I know that's not the only one that you've had. Well... Yeah, I'll talk a little bit, but I leave most of, uh, there's a lot of details I won't put out there because I have it in my novels. Uh, I was 19 years old when I had the accident, when a horse ran away with me and I fell at a dead gallop face first. I never hit the ground. I left my body. I went through a dark tunnel or pit, and I left my body, and I traveled, and what I have to say is that it was so abrupt and so surreal. It, w- it was hard on me. I, I mean, psychologically, it was hard on me. And, of course, any accident is. I guess with illness, you got a little bit of a, a window of knowing it's going to happen. But mm-hmm. my hardest part was, you know, talking to relatives that I loved that had died and coming back. The hardest part of the near-death experience is the return into the physical reality. It wow. is very, very upsetting. Really? Very upsetting coming back. Something I wouldn't want to experience again. Oh, my. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's like a grieving process coming back. As strange as that sounds. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it sounds so strange. It definitely makes sense. It's just... uh. It's a shocker, for sure. I mean, we all know life isn't perfect here, but it tends to be all right. And well, I felt like I was supposed to be there, but then I wasn't, uh, that I had a lot more to do here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still struggle, struggle to find out what my purpose is. I'm hoping it's these books, that there's going to be a little contribution I can make. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. If it's not the books, then I've I've saved and rescued some animals in my life, and that's the only good I did. So I really don't know. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm definitely a firm believer in us making our own purpose here and that we definitely create our own reality and create what we want to see. And uh, recently I've come to terms with anything that people do is okay. Anything that we do is our purpose. Anything we do is our destiny, and we're destined to do it. And well, I think you're right. As long as you're following your heart and you yeah. know you're in the right place, that's about but it. But I can tell you what, what I got also done. This is something that's very, very important. Would you like to hear it? Absolutely. Okay. You know, living in our day-to-day lives, the, I think the biggest sin, the biggest mistake, the, the thing that is unforgivable is interrupting, damaging, or destroying someone else's destiny. And being, let, let me just put it in, in, in something uh, looser context. 
Okay, let's say if you're driving drunk mm-hmm. and you hit some a young person and mm-hmm. you um you you disable them mentally, physically, um or whatever. Doing that is like the one of the biggest sins or no-nos you can do because you've interrupted that per- person's purpose, their destiny. Um and the same thing if if a man beats his wife and children and 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 actually changes who they are by the abuse that is something that is unforgivable and murder or you know an assault or you know hurting somebody but when you really mess up somebody's destiny change them uh uh kill them or stop them into you know what they could be their purpose that is a big no no wow I can agree with that. Oh, that man, that's the biggest. It's one thing if you waste your own life, you know, and, and you don't become anything, but it's another thing when you interrupt somebody else's life. I agree. Oh, my. There is something happening here. Speaking of interruptions, I don't know if you can hear all these sirens. Well, barely. I think the show's fine. You know, it's just a little background drama. <laughs> hey, are we on Cops tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but now the dogs are howling. Oh, boy. The dogs are howling, it's a full oh. moon, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, it's so funny, my dog is coming over and, and right by the phone, and sometimes I'll be doing a show or talking on the phone, and the dog comes over, and she sort of pants so much, it's like an obscene phone caller. <laughs> like, hey, what are you doing over here without me? <laughs> yeah, she's pretty funny. That's cute. Man, that's crazy. There have been some interruptions tonight. I don't know what's going on. There was the full moon. It was like a couple of days ago. It was the moon yeah. in Pisces. But now it's subsided. It's not even that strong anymore. It was intense, though. A lot of people's psychic abilities were on edge. Oh, my gosh. You know so, me. I'm into that astrology and so, all that. So let me ask you this, okay, Brandon, because we're friends and we get along great. Uh, can you do a, um, read anything off of me tonight? Um, I could probably do that for you, yeah. Do you think the listeners would enjoy? Absolutely. I mean, they could find out. Um, who you are in terms of my readings and quote unquote powers, whatever they are. Um, let me step back inside though. Okay. I did step out for a moment. Um, that's why the sirens are all loud and stuff. But um, well, it is a good night to get some air because we're going to have winter before we know it. I know, right? It's certainly get cold at night. Getting chilly. Whew. It got super cold here up in. I'm in Buffalo right now. And, I. Uh, I, I, it's not too far from Syracuse. Yep, that is very true. Right around there. You said you were from Bowmansville. Baldwinsville. It's right by Syracuse. I was born in. I was born in Syracuse. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's like a couple hours away. Yeah. All right. So let's see. So, what type of reading would you like? Um, I didn't know that they, there's different kinds. Well, I do um, two big ones. I do the work with the quote-unquote angelic realms, just um, higher energy, or we work with lower vibrations. And uh, what I do, what I whatever like, you're comfortable with, because I know I'm putting you on the spot. But I think that the listeners would enjoy to see what you could do with this. All right. Well, let's start with um, your heart and where you are in terms of heart. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what I need you to do is we're going to provoke higher energies. So I need you to say your first name, just your first name, 
out loud three times for me. Lura, Lura, Lura. All right, beautiful. Now, the card that I pulled for you and that is in relation to you is called Kabyal, okay? And the symbol for this is Ka, which means bull, abundance, and surrender. So I'm just going to read to you what this card has to offer. From first heaven, I bring Ka, a bowl of silver energy that comes from oneness by way of the sparkling diamond rays of the creation angels that is called angelic light. My bowl holds Gabriel's radiance of moon in first heaven, but at present it's tilted because your silver aspect is out of balance. I offer you a chance to redress this balance and allow your bowl to be righted and thus to fill once more. First, take the time to evaluate what you really need in energy healing terms. No matter what your birth gender, feminine, which is moon influence, aspects are intuition and heart, intensity and balance of feelings and emotions. Breathe in power of cop and silver to balance, even to overflow from heart. But there is more. If your heart's eye sees a haze of palest rose blue violet among the silver flames, you can work with the intense feminine energy emanating from Earth's second moon lost eons ago through war. The double moon's angelic love energy restores feminine balance and aids soul healing in mankind, nature, and animal kingdoms. I ask you to surrender, work in Temple Mirth with the moon mandala, so that later we guide you through the silver platinum stargate of moons to benefit all. So what that's pretty much saying is just... Brandon, uh, English translation, please. Yes, we're getting there. <laughs> I have no idea what you said. It's very beautiful. It is. Oh, my gosh. They're very intense energies. But what they relate to... Hang on. Um, now, I pulled the other cards for you. These are the ones that we can relate to way more. Now... What this card is pretty much telling you is that um, you are a little bit out of balance with your silver aspect, and this is your feminine divine energy, okay? Uh huh. Intuition, emotion, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's being brought to you to be balanced and put into light. Now, you're definitely, I would say, uh, especially with this whole writing thing, uh, you're definitely more logical. Um, I think that's what is it, left brain thinking. And um, just more in turn with more in tune with what's real. Now let's see what it has to relate to in your life. All right. Yes, this is matters of the heart. Okay. Um, I pulled the heart card for this, which means definitely mm-hmm. uh, love and things that you're interested in. Maybe you don't have. Let me see. Let me pull one more card on top of this and see. Where we're at. Are you saying that my love life is a train wreck? I'm saying that it could be better. <laughs> well, oh, my God, you are psychic, because it is. It is. I am a dating disaster. <laughs> I'm a don't do what she does, yeah. <laughs> well, don't worry. There's there's guys out there like that, that's for sure. Or even girls, whatever tickles your fancy. Yeah, matter. I don't even really want to date right now, because it's just, you know, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, you've got some bigger things on your plate right now. Yeah, it's terrible, but I don't even care. (laughs) Oh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's so funny. I pulled a key on top of that, which it's it's like you hold the key for your own heart. You know, nobody holds that key for your heart except you. And that's a very powerful place to be sitting. That's a very good position for you, Hmm. I think. And for somebody with what you're doing with your life and all your books and movies, I think that that is a perfect position for you because 
with these works, with this passion, you unlock so much within yourself. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the right person came along to you, you know, a couple of years down the road and it's just kind of completely wowed you and just, it'll be ironic. It'll be divine timing. It'll be perfect and you're just going to know it and it'll be all right. I would agree not to be concerned at all with relationships and any of that. Focus yeah, I, I really, you know, I'm taking, I've got too much going on. I don't even think in those terms now. You do. And your heart right now is all about success. And it's true. And it's where it lies. And it's very, a very good position for you. So I definitely think you're doing the right things. That's for sure. I don't think there's something that you should be doing differently or anything that you're doing wrong. It's all within heart and it's all the key to what you want to experience in life, to fulfill it, to enhance See, it. Yeah, I knew, I, you're very smart because you actually really hit that on the head. Very cool. And we and I want to tell the listeners that we hadn't, did, did not rehearse this at all. Oh, no, not at all. No, not at all. No. So what the angels are offering you is water of life healing. How connected with you, uh, how connected are you with water? Water? Are you kidding? I could practically have gills. I am a total water person. I, I, have, a, I have a cheap Walmart pool in the backyard, and I am a my whole life since I'm six years old, I love the water more than anything. I could swim every day if the water was warm enough in my pool. Oh, my gosh. I know that. That's for sure. I love swimming, too. Um, they definitely offer you water of life healing, which helps to aid uh, through difficult emotional times. Um, that's what Water of Life helps to do. It just washes away. It's a pure vibration. Um, do you know anything about spiritual alchemy? Nothing. Okay. Now, what that is, now you've heard the myth of alchemy turning lead into gold, you know, back in the old times. Um, well, now it's kind of being redefined and returned. It's spiritual alchemy where you can take something of self and something that's, like, really bad. For example, say that you're... Uh, Oh, gosh. Uh, just a hardcore analytical person who analyzes and judges everybody to no end. Well, you can take that and transform it into something beautiful and turn it into something that's going to be worthwhile, like maybe being a judge or something like that. I'm not judgmental about people at all. Oh, right. No, I wouldn't believe it. I'm just saying that for an example. Um, now, what spiritual alchemy is, is just taking something that is uh, one of our quote-unquote weaknesses or flaws or something that isn't right in the eyes of other people, and turning it into gold, turning that lead. And that's what spiritual alchemy is all about. And that's what Water of Life helps to do is to take, um, think of sacred white ice. Think about like what what white white ice is. Wow, that's really hard for me to say. I don't know why. Say it three times, it'll sound better. (laughs) (laughs) But think about like white ice. I always think of... um, what is that? That carbon ice or whatever? You're thinking of dry ice. Dry ice, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. And how it just like mists all and so weird and so mysterious, I feel like. So think picture that. Just picture that. It can help to eradicate past life programming and prevents retrieval of ancient wisdom. Okay, so this So in is, English what does this mean applicable to myself? Well, hang on. We're not in English yet. Okay. More term. Okay, this is what the angels have to offer you. So breathe as they tell you to breathe. Okay, breathe with them. And then picture any kind of breath that they depict for you. And then um, 
just make sure you bring into light. Take what you're supposed to take from this, okay? Whatever is important will stick out with you, and that's all that matters. I breathe your mysterious, sacred energy into heart and thymus and hold your water of life vibration to travel to the aquamarine chamber in Temple Mer. Your cool blue-green living crystal healing fractals cascade over me and spiral down through crown, organically cleansing and balancing all chakras while bringing emotional peace. If I am ready to reach oneness, I enter the white ice of alchemy where all spiritually limiting threads are cut and past vows released. My hidden pearl within is refound. Through water of life, the pure spring of my loving dolphin wisdom flows again for all. All right, so let's find out what this pearl is and where you've had to eradicate past life vows. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so I pulled the mountain, which is concerned with big events and or foreign affairs. It depends on the next card I pull, which is... Ah, the fox. Okay, so I think there um, was definitely some very sly uh, fox characteristic, like past life experiences that you went through. Um, maybe things that weren't so trusting, things that were just very tricky for you in your past life. And there were big events and uh, things that you got tricked in during your past life. I think it's that vulnerability that is the pearl here, being vulnerable, is an okay thing. When you're vulnerable, it means you have a high belief in many things, and you believe that many things are possible. And with that, I think, is one of the most important things to hold, uh, especially now, is that when you believe in infinite possibility, it's like the world is at your feet. Anything can happen. Uh, you know, it leaves room for pretty much anything. And honestly, in my opinion, that's a very beautiful, filled lifestyle is where you can experience anything because there's so much here to experience. You know oh, I mean? yes. There's so much here. And how could you settle for the tip of the iceberg, you know? True. When there's just so much to be seen underneath. So is that what you get from me? I don't, I'm kind of, kind of getting lost here there, Brandon. This is just in terms of heart. Um, okay. What we, what I'll just reevaluate. Um, there is things in your life that are, it's like you're in balance, but there are things that you can be doing to put you in more balance, and that is definitely following your heart and following your intuition. Uh huh. Working, bring, working towards betterment, self betterment. Right, right, right. Bring in that uh, divine feminine energy. That would be very good. And also keep working with water. You're definitely very lucky with water. Mm-hmm. And to wash away all of these um, past life karmic debt that you've had. And, Interesting. Um, yeah, and it helps to shine light on what's real and what's true and important in your life, I think. So that's what we get for heart. Now would you like to move on to soul? Sure, sure, sure. Very wonderful. Now what I need you to do again is just say your first name out loud three times for me, please. Laura, Laura, Laura. All right. Beautiful. Ooh, all right. Um, now this card that I got is called Hadraniel, okay? And the symbol for this is he, which means to exist, 
transform and become greater. All right. Oh, now this is very ironic. Um, let me just read to you what this card has. Mm-hmm. And now think of what's going on in your life right now. Okay? okay. Even at this moment, like literally this moment right now. Okay. Okay. I am the tall angel of heat. Um, let me just make a little reference. I'm about six foot four, just to let you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I see that you are ready to grow your soul to Metatron and Shekinah's Eden Tree vibration and beyond. And what they mean by Eden Tree is a state of being, a state of meditation where you're connected to the earth, your heart, and all that exists. Um, opening higher dimensions for your soul quest. You are at a key point in life. Empowered in emerald, you ride within my light wings toward the 4444 angel stargates. This can be likened to a spiritual cliff edge of existence. Your potential for a huge expansion of consciousness already exists. Your quote-unquote now is to set it free. Choose the issues on which you should focus, activity, fears of influence, energy healing, or other goals. But I counsel that your heart and soul must inform your choice. If you are one with the Eden tree, begin by traversing the stargates. So, for example, when you're in meditation, bring your consciousness to the star realm. Look well, I do do positive meditations and seek assistance and ask that they, you know, heal my physical body and um, take away the fear barrier, which inhibits some of my uh, psychic ability, and to um, help me reach my best potential. Exactly. And what they're trying to get you to do is to open up to the stargates, open up to the stars, not just um, psychic cleansing and being healed. There's a lot deeper and more information that can be had. It is pretty intangible to this physical reality, but we as human beings Mm -hmm. have the ability to, quote-unquote, channel this, to communicate with these higher realms and to... Send it my way, hon. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, it's coming. And we have the ability to receive this energy. So be open to it. And in your meditations, let your mind become one with the stars, not just limiting. I'd never thought of that before. This is an excellent suggestion. All right. Now look for the numerology. One for Earth's deep, dramatic ruby, and four for heart's glowing emerald. Both are linked to your soul quest. These provide the energy empowerment you will soon gain and emanate from hearts and the very foundation of your being to help all. Mm-hmm. We angels show you how, as love balances and refines roots and heart to gem cells, your spiritual consciousness expands. Love and light radiate out from your heart flower to all. And this is universal, quote-unquote, I am cue for action. Okay. So let's see what action you should be taking in regards to transforming, existing, and becoming greater. All right. Um, Definitely look for your fears, okay? Um, I think it's definitely telling you to let your fears be highlighted at this moment, bring them into conscious awareness, Mm -hmm. lift them, and develop a relationship with them. Make a nice, strong bond with them because your fears definitely help to tell of who you are and what you are doing. If you're fearful of something, you're probably not going to be doing it. If you're fearful of a certain thing, then you're going to be doing the opposite of what it is, usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, develop a close fear with, develop a close relationship with these fears. 
because I think they're going to influence your next work. And I think that, um, in my belief, I believe that there's very few things that you are personally afraid of that would really get you. For, for example, I mean, you weren't scared of The Exorcist, and I was terrified. <laughs> Yeah, I have my I have my own fears and demons, you know, like anybody else does, you know. Of course. Okay. Uh, I think you know it's part of being human, but there's some fears I don't have. Very cool. I think you should get re in touch with your fears. Um, let them be known. It's okay to be scared of things, you know. It's quite all right. It just it helps to shape who we are and where we've come and what we've gone through, et cetera. And doing your best to release them to conquer your fears. Um, it's definitely something worthwhile. It's definitely a good thing to do, you know. Um, anytime you can conquer something like that, it's just a huge uh, goal, I guess. It's a huge yeah, I think that that I think this reading has been extremely accurate. Very cool. All right, we've got one more card left. Okay. This is um, a Stargate for you. Ooh. Okay. Now this is a very pretty one. This is what you would look to. Um, Aspire to. Now, these are the stargates, um, what I was telling you to meditate on. And this is the one that is gifted for you. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, just the name of it. Okay. This is the Sapphire Stargate. Okay. Um, this is all about Archangels, uh, Truth and Air, 5555. Um, I'm sure you've heard of Archangel Michael before. Mm-hmm. He is a guardian of this. Um, so the Sapphire Stargate allows the conjoining of your ruby and emerald gem states to overlap and hold Sapphire of Truth. So picture picture um, an hourglass, okay, an hourglass shape. Okay. Picture, picture green on the top and picture ruby on the bottom. And the two come together to meet in the middle to form Sapphire, which is a beautiful blue color. Um Let's see, this sacred conjunction is a star pattern from Michael's Archangels. Um, having repatterned with the purest angelic light vibration of ruby and emerald to aid soul quest, your etheric ruby jewel physical self touches the emerald jewel, which is your spiritual self, within you in microcosm. Now your key, which is a key, a card that we pulled before, the key, your key is sapphire and five. Michael helps you to overlap and integrate the two toward gem self to sapphire vibration of divine truth and wisdom. All right, so now this is um, another thing. These are a few words the angels offer you. So breathe as they tell you to breathe. Imagine what they tell you to imagine. And hold with you the words that you feel are most important. <clears throat> as Eden Tree, my heart links to the heart of Mother Earth and my crown touches the sapphire stargates portal. I hold within self, from root to higher heart and thymus, the gem vibrations of ruby and emerald, and use these to benefit all. From oneness, I enter your crystal octahedron to bathe in the purest flowing sapphire crystals, repatterning higher self with your gem vibration. As I return, ruby and emerald gem states from a sapphire crystal octahedron in me filled with blue diamond angelic lights. Now, I am linked physically, spiritually, heart and soul to angelic truth and wisdom. I pledge my soul quest to all. All right. And now how you will be able to see this link 
within your life. Okay. Is through a childlike state of bliss. I totally knew it before I even pulled the card. I knew I was going to pull the child. That is weird. What, um, because I'm a big kid at heart? I think so, absolutely. And holding that and keeping that with you is going to, that's where you're going to find all this wisdom. Um, all these super positive feelings, uh, very uh, feminine in nature, but very, very, very positive. It's it's just, I, I see, it's like I see you as a little girl. I can picture it. And that is where your wisdom comes from. It was like you were a very wise child, and you knew it back then, and then life happened, and, you know, you've hit some road bumps and some things, and now it's like you're, with this whole writing and letting your imagination flow and with these novels, like you said, you never thought you were going to be, you know, such an amazing writer, but now here you are, you've got four books out, you know, and... I never expected to be an author, so this has been, like, a huge, huge... uh a gift. Absolutely. It really is. And this is where this is where your most divine self is coming through. And I think like I said before, and I'll still say it, you know, this is right where you're, what you're supposed to be doing, right where you need to be. And it's perfect. It's beautiful. So do you think I was almost guided to this part in my life? Um I mean I guess you could say guided if even if not you are forcefully put here. You know what I mean? Uh you've had some experiences that really shook you and they put you right where you needed to be, you know, without you even asking for it. Or yes, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I just think, you know, something just stepped in and overtook me to become oh. this author. Oh, yeah. It was like you were meant to do this, for real. Like, it is your purpose. It really is. I mean, I can't I hope so. I mean, I hope that once I get the books published and get a good agent and publisher that uh, that I will contribute something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even if it is, for some people it will be entertainment. For some people it will be thought-provoking, you know, with throwaway horses. And I think some other people will uh, identify with a psychic phenomena. I think so, too. I think some people will learn stuff. I think they'll definitely be entertained and find hope within your stories. I know you mentioned a couple of really big issues um, that kind of underlie, like an underlying message in your book. And they resonated with me as well. And I'm Yeah, but I did this without preaching. I hate people that preach at you. Exactly. And I can't stand it. And neither neither does this generation especially. And hopefully, um these are these books like rated R or are they Uh no, it'll be more P G thirteen. I don't have to put a lot of profanity or graphic sex because I've got a real story that's compelling. And I think if you have to use the F bomb and um, you know, uh, physical uh, uh, intercourse between a man and a woman. Then I just think that you know you're not writing a good story. Exactly, tasteless. And if you have to resort to that kind of stuff, it's like okay, well. Yeah, I mean, my my, you know, I don't think I use a couple of swear words, even though it's an adult-themed uh, storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, I I, I kind of skip the vulgarity. There you go, and that's tasteful, very much so. I know, but I have a potty mouth myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We're not perfect. That's no, perfect. nowhere near. <laughs> we try to be. I know that. Would you like to hear about the movie I'm producing? Absolutely. Tell me about it. Well, I wanted to take a year off of writing novels once I get these things out, you know, and to the publishers. 
want to take a year off and do something nonsensical, stupid, with no social redeeming qualities whatsoever. So I am a big kid. I love two things I love. I love zombies, and I love comedy. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is write a zombie comedy, and I've bought the Dominion name. It's called Another Apocalyptic Zombie Movie. I am the writer and producer. My company's called Broken Desperate Productions, and I've got a good sense of humor. Anyways, um, I've got the screenplay. I'm fine-tuning it, and I should shoot uh, the movie next next spring. So it's going to be like uh, Dawn of the Dead meets Blazing Saddles. Oh, my gosh. So it's going to be funny. It's going to be all stand-up comedy uh, actors, you know, uh, stand-up comics as the actors, and it's going to be... It's going to be funny. There's going to be a storyline that moves pretty quick, and uh, I think that uh, we could have a zombie hit. Personally, I love zombie flicks if they're not too gross. Me too. They're so entertaining. That's such a good concept. It's like. And I know what you're thinking. Fast zombies versus slow zombies, aren't you? Yep. I'm doing slow zombies. (laughs) Fast zombies are too hard to film. They they really are, and they're too hard to kill, too, that's for sure. I know. My zombies are not going to be like you kill them and they keep coming back. You know, once they're dead, you know, technically they're going to stay that way. Technically. But they're going to be funny zombies. See, so zombies, just, they don't start out like, you know, cannibalistic. They start out doing things that they used to do, that they you know, to have fun with. Like some zombies like going to the mall. <laughs> So are they going to be able to talk, or are they going to be able to... Uh... Well, at first they can talk, and then they do some grunting. There's going to be one scene where this older woman, she's sitting at the breakfast table with her husband, and her husband has turned into a zombie here. But she didn't notice, because she's, he's, he's just, she's just prattling on like she does every morning, and she didn't notice her husband was a zombie. <laughs> now that's realistic. Yeah, Absolutely. So is it like the same as all the other ones where you get bit and then you start to turn into a zombie? Or? Well, we don't want to give out our clues, but uh, <laughs> you know, when you, once you're a zombie, you lose your inhibitions. Hmm. So this seems to be interesting. It seems like you explain a little bit more, go into depth about what it is being a zombie. Well, I think actually it's actually pretty funny, and you know, and I'm leaving room for a sequel, but. The the zombies at the in the end of the movie get a little ornery. <laughs> you know, they get a little bit a little bit more confrontational and they're a little more interested in, in um biting than they did in the beginning of the movie. Hmm. Very cool. That sounds exciting. I can't but they're wait. not intellectual zombies. I have dumb zombies. <laughs> There's gonna be one scene where the zombie used to like riding uh horses. But he gets on the horse. He doesn't realize the horse is still tied to the, you know, the rail, and he wants to go. So he's on the, the horse going. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie? Okay. Did you ever see the movie Fido? I don't think so. No. Best zombie mood. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, I I know my zombie movies. Okay. Night of the Living Dead, the 1969 version, best zombie movie ever. Second really? best zombie movie is. Fido, and it's about the 1950s, you know, leave it to Beaver, you know, uh, Ozzy and Harriet type background, but with zombies, and it is so funny. Wow, really? And it was a big Hollywood movie, and I don't know if it was much of a, a movie, but these zombies get controlled with these collars, and they're turned into domestic servants. 
Wow. And it's funny. Like this one zombie kind of likes the family, so he protects the little boy, but then he goes and eats his friends that were mean to him. But he likes the uh, the mother, uh, and he wouldn't hurt her. He just looks at her and goes, Yeah, there's five big zombie movies now, but they're all scary. The only one that was all right and entertaining was that Zombieland one. But it was still, there were still scary zombies, and there's still no character to them at all. Well, I have, my some of my zombies will have characters. Like, there's this, like, okay, I can't tell too much story, but my characters, like, there's this knocking at the door, and they're worried there's zombies at the door. And the guy looks through and goes, no, that's not zombies. They're just Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> when I lived in New York City, these two guys, they were Jehovah's Witnesses. They were so sweet, so nice. They were knocking at my door, and I just thought they were well-dressed serial killers. And uh, they started knocking, and I finally came out. I said, what do you want? And, you know, have you heard the word? And I said, no, and I don't want to. <laughs> oh, my God. Laura, it sounds like you have some really, really great work coming out here. Um, very excited that you came on the show this evening and got that out. Now, where can people find you? Um, where can they get in contact? Um, then now, they can't get a copy of the books because they haven't been published yet, but you can go read uh, dot com is my website. It's got everything on it. And I would love to have friends lure a catch on Facebook. Okay, perfect. Yeah, definitely Facebook is a good way to keep in contact. Excellent. Um, Thank you for having me on. It's been great. You're very welcome. It's been such a good show. got a lot of information. And I would love to have you on see what's going on with you, how your books are, and what's going on with your movies. It would be really great to catch up. Wonderful. Yeah, you know, you know where I am. Absolutely. All right. We'll just hang on the line right here. I'm going to talk to you afterwards. Okay, cool. Um, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in this evening. It was a very, very good show. Um, If you do have any questions, comments, um, you can email me. Again, Laura gave you her information if you want to get Also, to contact me, uh, here I'm at thedreamteacher at gmail.com for any and um, be sure you can favorite and be sure to check out all the shows thank you all for tuning in and sweet dreams everybody are you there yep I'm here okay, okay. I-, I hope that was